Hello, hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Generation Slay, the podcast where I interview the Gen Z creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs who are absolutely slaying it in their fields. I am your hostess with the mostest, Emma Havacorst. I am a recent college graduate, marketing degree, still looking for a job, baby, if you know of any of them. Um, I have been a fashion blogger since I was 13. I have done a lot of Gen Z related consulting work for a bunch of different companies. I've had probably eight or nine internships starting my sophomore year of high school. So it's been a minute that I've been working and now I sit here in my little quarantined room and talk to the internet. That's this podcast, in case that wasn't super clear. I'm not going to go too in-depth this week. You all know the state of the world. Things are insane, especially in the U.S., and that's just the way it is. Keep being safe. Keep wearing your masks. Keep, you know, not going to parties and the beach and raves that are apparently happening. Like, just don't be smarter than that. Protect your grandma or someone's grandma, someone's brother or little sister. Like just, it's not worth the risk, you know? So keep being safe, keep wearing your masks, stay inside when you can. Just do you, you know? Actually, don't do you. Do the rules. Wear your mask. Be safe. Thank you. Um, so jumping in to this week's episode, Super, super excited about it. I recorded this one quite, probably a minute ago at this point, Um, but it's a great one. I think it really addresses a lot of what we're talking about in the world today. So, you know, just to give you a little context, today's interview is with the wonderful Megan Chen. She is from Newark, Delaware. Super passionate about environmental justice, racial equality, and women's rights. Obviously, all things that are super, super, super timely relevant right now. She is actually the founder and executive director of the Urban Garden Initiative, which is a nonprofit organization that focuses on environmental sustainability and gardening education within urban communities. She's also a children's book author of the book called Finding Tiger, which addresses issues of implicit bias and stereotyping and just kind of provides that to children and gives them that education early on. And so obviously all of those different topics that we really touch on and go in depth in and Megan is such a wonderful educator on environmental justice, sustainability, you know, racial quality that I know within the interview and just going back through it, I learned so, so much from her. And I'm sure you guys absolutely will too. Before we jump in though, just gonna do a few little housekeeping things for fun. This is now the sixth episode of the season. Things are going great. We are thriving. So we have a bunch of episodes still to go. Thank God the Lord. But if there is anyone you do want to see on the pod who you think would be great, always feel free to shoot me a message 
on my personal socials. I'm at Emma Havy everywhere on the Generation Slay socials at Generation Slay everywhere. You can shoot us an email, generationslay at gmail.com. It's all very easy. Just kind of throw the Generation Slay name in there and you should get me at some point. Um, And actually something very exciting happened yesterday. I started a Discord server for the wonderful Gen Slay community. I just know that, you know, Twitter's kind of a lot for a lot of people right now with the news and all of the discourse on there, and it's just kind of very overwhelming. Facebook's obviously what it is, Um, and frankly, Instagram is a little difficult to really have conversations and to make connections, and I know, at least personally, within quarantine and self-isolation and the time of corona, I have been desperately longing for a lot more connection than I've been getting because I've been cut off from my friends and my community. And so Discord server, right? So I'll link that in the show notes below and you can check that out. It's also linked on all of our socials. I would love, love for people to join. I think it's going to be super fun. We, you know, I made a channel for talking about Netflix, talking about what we're watching lately. I made a channel for, you know, obviously updates about the podcast episodes, but that's kind of the boring stuff. Just generally like what's going on on the internet, you know, so we can dish on the latest YouTube drama or funny memes, just all of the things, you know, all of the daily, daily conversations that we have with our friends in person, with our communities that we're not getting to have as much now. That's what's going to live on this wonderful discord. So I hope that you guys think about joining me there. Pop over our socials if you so please. And this is just my last plea. And then I promise we'll get into the interview. But please, 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 if anything about this episode connects with you, please leave a review. I just love seeing them. They absolutely make my day and they do really, really impact how the podcast is served to people. So the more reviews I have, the more people see the podcast, which is super important, obviously, to me because I want the most number of people to see and hear these incredible stories of such incredible Gen Slayers. So without further ado, let's get into one of those stories, one of those interviews. Hi, Megan. I am so excited to have you on Generation Slay today. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Um, Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, of course. I'm so excited about this. So... Just to kick us off, can you tell me and everyone listening just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Just give us a little background before we start off. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I would say, first off, I'm a current junior in high school um, based here within Delaware. Um, Super passionate about a lot of um, different issues and like a lot of things related to like the community. So it started off with... um, a couple years back, I published this children's book called Finding Tiger that's all centered around um, teaching students about the problems of implicit bias and stereotyping. Um, and currently, I run this nonprofit organization called the Urban Garden Initiative, 
um, which is focused on um, just bringing environmental education, environmental sustainability to students, and um, yeah, just gardening to urban areas and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I adore the work that you've been doing, and it's so incredible to be a junior in high school and to already have so much success and so much you've worked on. And I'd love to start by chatting about your children's book that you mentioned, Finding Tiger. I would love to hear about the inspiration and the background for that story. What inspired you and pushed you to write a children's book specifically, especially one focused on such serious issues like implicit bias and stereotyping? Mm-hmm. Um, so like to bring it back to like the really beginning of why I started um, so I joined this program here um, that's like local within Delaware called Dual School. And it was, this was like in my freshman year and it was all about finding um, just a problem within your community or just overall that you're really passionate about and really like, resonates with you. And for me, that was the problem of cultural identity, growing up as like an Asian American. Um, you know, I just dealt with a lot of like un- in- uncertainty, I guess you would say. Um, of like where I fit in, whether it's like a different culture when I was in school versus when I was at home and just like not really, you know, knowing. And so, you know, going into dual school, I had this problem and through that program, I kind of, you know, I talked to a lot of people, both peers that had struggled with similar issues that I had. um, And then also talked to a lot of teachers about it to hear kind of how, um, if they also saw this problem within their students and kind of how they went about dealing with it. And through that, that kind of um, a lot of those conversations, it really inspired me to get started on this project. A lot of the teachers I talked to said that a children's book was one of the best ways to, you know, convey a message to the students. And I've always really been passionate about writing and illustration. Um, So kind of putting those things together, that's kind of the basis of why I want to create the children's book um, and ultimately just like bring this message that I think a lot of times isn't really brought to a younger audience so that, um, you know, we learn about these things from an early age and we're able to combat a lot of these problems um, at a really young age too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's something so special and so important about, you know, trusting that young kids are seeing these things happen and they are experiencing them to some extent, even if they don't have the vocabulary to explain what they are experiencing. So, teaching them about it at such a young age and giving them those words and those tools is so powerful, especially starting it at that young age. So I really, I really admire the path you took with this. Um, And I just, the process of writing and publishing and I assume illustrating as well, because you said you were passionate about illustrating a children's book. How did you learn about that process what was it like to actually create this once you came up with the idea yeah so I think first off in terms of kind of learning about the process I think something that's really important and applicable to not just you know the project that I took on but any project is you really need some great mentors and support on your team so again part of the program that I was in number one I had a mentor there but another um almost assignment that they gave was you had to form like a personal advisory board. Um, So you had to reach out to, you know, different people within your community that might 
I really understand the issue or really understand um, this product that you're trying to create. So during that time, I actually reached out to a couple of like local authors um, right here in Delaware. And one of the people that was a mentor of mine, he had, you know, been published by Scholastic and Disney and really understood the whole process. And the program that was in itself, um, the person that runs it, he had published, um, self-published before. So I was able to learn about both avenues. <clears throat> and then, then in terms of how I really went about the process, I would say I, I actually, you know, ventured down both paths of like traditional publishing and, um, you know, self-publishing first off when it came to like the construction of the actual book. Um, obviously I took on a lot of the writing and then one of my best friends who's an amazing artist and I collaborated on making the illustrations. Um, I had a graphic designer that kind of helped us to put the whole book together. And then when it came to the actual publishing, um, I first tried the traditional publishing method of reaching out to a bunch of agents and just, um, yeah, I just found that that was a really long, tedious process. And one key piece of advice that I learned along the way was um, sometimes it really doesn't depend on, you know, the, I guess the content of your book. It's more so what they're looking for at the time and these agents and these companies can be very specific. So I kind of found through that, that maybe, you know, the children's book that I was trying to get out there wasn't exactly what they're looking for, but instead of being discouraged by that, um, I started looking into the self-publishing route, started talking to some other self-published authors and ultimately instead of giving up and being like, you know, they don't want my book, I still really wanted to get my message out there. Um, so I ended up, yeah, self-publishing the book. The whole process took maybe around a year and a half, maybe at most two years. Um, can't exactly remember at this point. And yeah, once I um, got it published, I started doing like some workshops and just doing a mini book tour of sorts of, you know, taking the book and also this curriculum that I kind of developed alongside the book to a lot of different students and schools and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean... That's amazing. I love that you considered and learned about both routes. I'd love to hear more about you developing this curriculum alongside it and bringing it to other schools. How did you come up with that? And I just love to hear more because that's so interesting. Yeah, thank you. Um, So I would say the book, number one, obviously I wrote it in mind with like this concept slash this like deeper message that I was trying to teach. But Ultimately, the book itself is not like an educational book. I want it still to be, you know, this fun children's book that parents and families can read to their kids at night and still really just enjoy it because of the plot line. Um, but to take that book to like a deeper level and to use it within schools to teach it and get the message of like implicit bias and stereotyping across, um, I took a lot of, you know, the different characters and concepts that were kind of like subtly incorporated into it. Um, and taught it more in like a curriculum slash lesson sense. So um, just for example, just to give like a really brief summary of like what the book's about, it's this like tiger that goes around to all these different animals saying like, am I just like you? And in turn, the animal says like, no, and says all these different stereotypes about a tiger. Um, the tiger tries to become, you know, all these things that people tell her that she is. She finds that she's really unhappy through that, meets another animal, this time a flamingo. Um, the flamingo shows her that, shows her to like her entire family. And even though they're all like flamingos, they're really different. And she learns about um, that she doesn't have to be just like what everybody else tells her about. 
So during the curriculum, I kind of, you know, asked the students, like, you know, who was your favorite animal and like, why? And um, do you think it's like right for all these animals to be placing these biases on her? Um, and we do some other little games and introduce some other keywords um, just so like the students are, you know, learn more about the topic. And yeah, so I did that, brought this curriculum to a lot of schools within my community and also got to speak at a couple of really cool conferences with a lot of school counselors where they were then able to get the book and also get the curriculum and then bring it to their schools. Um, and yeah, a couple of them, I guess, were like sort of national. So then being able to spread the book on more of a national scale was really awesome. It's so incredible that you took this one idea through dual school and did so much research and so much development. And at the end of the day, you not only had this wonderful book as a final product, but you were also able to teach and spread that message and implement it on such a wide scale. And like, truly, that's just, it's such an impact to have on such young brains. And it's so, it's so fascinating to me. I'm Thank you. So, um, so I'd love to switch topics a little bit and chat with you about the Urban Garden Initiative. Um, I know you told us a little bit about it already, but I'd love to hear about your inspiration and why you started it. Yeah. Um, so I live, as I said before, right here in Delaware and actually really, really close to Wilmington, which in my area is known as like this really major food desert, which pretty much just means it's really hard for a lot of people there to um, have access to healthy fruits and vegetables. And I also found just via like while learning about the problem and I again similar to kind of how I went about the book I talked to a lot of Wilmington residents and also being like right outside it that there's also this like really lack of environmental education and just like education in general about this huge problem and like what you specifically can do about it um and I've always been really passionate about the environment actually like the summer right before I started the urban garden initiative I worked on I worked in a urban garden slash farm right in Wilmington so like learned a lot about it like firsthand and yeah just really wanted to do something about it um at that point I already um spent a couple of years like delving within like the entrepreneurial space within Delaware and really wanted to um take on like creating an initiative like this and really creating a larger impact about this problem that I like heard about for a really long time. I I think that's so interesting and it's so admirable but admirable excuse me again that you keep seeing these problems and these themes and you know going that extra step to do your research and try to implement an impact change it's I mean I'm gonna keep saying it I sound like a broken record but it's so so cool the work that you do so obviously like well not obviously Based on my research and the website, the Urban Garden Initiative is now a lot bigger than just you. So what's it been like to kind of grow the organization? How is it developed? And also, might as well, how can people get involved if they want to? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yes, <laughs> it has definitely grown a lot within the last year that it's been formed. Um, it started here just within 
Delaware with me first working with like five schools and then 10 schools and then 15 schools and or and community centers and um, just expanding a lot here. Um, but I think we've also gained a lot of traction just via our website and like the marketing that we've done. So now um, in some ways, I guess we are now international. So we are creating chapters in different cities all over. So we have like chapters in New York and DC and Texas and Washington and um, Toronto and actually recently created chapter in Zimbabwe. And we've just, you know, it's a lot of really passionate youth um, that want to do something within their community and want to help a lot of these similar issues and are passionate about the environment and gardening, um, getting involved. And I guess a chapter entails like them creating some sort of garden where they are and doing a lot of the same workshops and programs that we do here in Delaware. Um, so yeah, it's just been really exciting. And honestly, the process of meeting all these other like young change makers is incredible. And I love connecting with all of them. And yeah, it's just like crazy to see like how much it's grown. And then in terms of the any viewers that want to get involved, if you're also super passionate about the environment, um, passionate about gardening and just like teaching environmental education to students, um, yeah, we would love to like start a chapter where you are um, right now. We're actually working a lot on chapter recruitment. So if interested, you can just click the get involved page and like the volunteer um, button on our website and just like fill out a really brief application and get involved in that way. That's amazing. And I'll link it in the show notes. So anyone who's interested, it'll be right there. Uh, you have no excuses to not check it out. Um, so before we start wrapping up, I have a question I like to ask everyone, which is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your fellow Gen Zers? What's something that someone's told you or that you've learned from your experience that you'd want to share? For sure. Um, I think you know, key piece of advice and actually one of the main things that we try to get across in all of our workshops and programs at the Urban Garden Initiative is that don't be afraid to just start small. I think in a lot of our minds, number one, when it comes to like huge problems such as like climate change and racism and all of these different things, we feel like we're just one person, there's nothing we can do about it. Um, so instead of, you know, just doing something small, we should just not do anything at all because we have no impact. But that's actually not true at all. I think a lot of people collectively, you know, doing these small things that are good will add up to create like a super huge impact. Um, so yeah, even if you have an idea, if you kind of like don't know where to start, you have this idea of like launching a nonprofit or, you know, doing whatever, I think first off, just learning a lot about it, talking to people about it, getting involved maybe with similar organizations, um, maybe doing a march or signing a petition or just all of these small things that you know, you can collectively learn more about during each one, you can kind of grow to become this larger thing. And in my case, like, even before I started Urban Garden Initiative, as I said, I've just, you know, done some similar work at other nonprofits and just done similar things. And that's kind of what helped me learn more about the problem and um, ultimately, like, provide me with more of like a foundation to get things started. So I say, I would say just like, don't be afraid to, um, go for it and just, you know, try doing small things to reach your final product. 
That's such incredible advice, and you are such an inspiration. And before I let you go today, even though, you know, I would love to talk to you forever because your work is incredible, can you let everyone know where they can find you and follow you online and where they can find your wonderful book and obviously the Urban Garden Initiative as well? Yeah, so I'm just going to throw out my Instagram, um, which is just Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore Chen, C-H-E-N, the two N's. Um, in terms of the book, it's on Amazon, Kindle, Barnes and Noble, all of, like the normal sites um, and like places. And then in terms of the Urban Garden Initiative, we also have an Instagram. It's just the Urban Garden Initiative and our website's theurbangardeninitiative.org. Um, yeah, feel free to check out those things. And um, yeah, I'd love to, if you guys are also interested in getting involved or anyway, or like just chatting, like feel free to reach out anytime. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much again for taking the time and for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it, Megan. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Generation Slay. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your, I'm sure, very busy schedule to tune in. And I hope you'll take a quick sec to subscribe so that we'll see you on the episode next week. And, you know, if you liked it, pop down to the review and leave a little comment, leave a hopefully five-star review. It's super, super helpful on my end, um, just because, you know, the more reviews I have, the more it gets pushed out on podcast platforms to other wonderful Gen Slayers who would definitely, definitely learn and gain so much from hearing these interviews. So by leaving a review, by subscribing, you know, you're helping a girl out and you're helping a whole other wonderful community of Gen Zers out as well. So I'm sure they'd appreciate it if you did it too. Until next week, I would love to see you over on our social channels at Generation Slay Everywhere. You'll see some fun motivational content. You'll see some activism now because of the world we live in. And hopefully you'll see some wonderful Instagram story takeovers, Q&As, days in a life from our amazing guests. So if you want to see any of that, pop on over to our socials and I'll see you next week. Bye!